Welcome to Health Naturally, Greg Richard, joined by Dennis Stewart. Dennis, great to see you once again. Good to see you, Greg. Always good to be with you, with your skillful presentations. <laughs> thank, thank you, Dennis. <laughs> That's a pat on the back have, and a salary raise for you. It's the first, well, I don't know about a salary raise, but the, I'll take the pat on the back. Good on you. Now, Dennis, the last few weeks we've been looking at sort of novel ways of treating arthritic and also inflammatory joint diseases. Yeah, look, we've spent a fair amount of time discussing this problem, almost a universal problem, of arthritic and other inflammatory joint diseases, and we've been looking at the way in which natural or complementary medicine might be useful. I want to take that up a bit and move towards a conclusion of the topic by looking at some fairly controversial aspects of it. Oh, controversial. Well, I'm a controversial person, so I have been told. (laughs) Excellent. Looking forward to the controversy, Dennis. And we've got Joy from Brankston. And Joy has a tremor in her hands and it's making it difficult for her to use them. Hello, Joy. Good morning, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Pretty warm up there. My, my word. <laughs> oh, very dear, hot. dear, dear. <laughs> How can I help you, Joy? Um, I've got what I've been told is called essential tremor. Tremor, yes. Which to me is not essential. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'd better explain it to listeners. An essential tremor is where uh, usually the hands. Uh, take it on their own back just to uh, become mobile and uh, uh, manifest themselves in small um, movements, which is called a tremor, and uh, which can be embarrassing, particularly if you're holding a cup of tea or something like that. Um, Has yours reached that stage yet when you pick up a cup of tea, you're frightened of uh, spilling it due, due to the shaking of your hands? Um, I'm okay if I've been only been resting and quiet okay, early on, okay, but okay. once once I start doing things, yeah, it gets worse. You notice it. Uh, yes. Some sometimes, as you would know, Joy, essential tremor, which is a benign condition, um, it is confused and interpreted by some people as being a Parkinson's condition. But it isn't uh, Parkinson's. It is a different condition, but yeah. it, sh- it shares this shaking or tremulous condition. It's called essential tremor um, or benign um, tremor, if you like. Um, That's the way it's been defined. Now, um, obviously, you've been to your GP and uh, have sought assistance, have you? Yes, um, and I haven't been able to... I wasn't told to take anything particular to ease it off. Okay. Look, there are a couple of ways of, of addressing this uh, with with herbal medicine and the the herbs that I'm going to mention are in two categories. Yeah. The first category uh, are comprised of herbs that only your pharmacist would be allowed to prescribe, and they're usually prescribed in liquid form mm-hmm. as what's called a, a tincture, a liquid preparation. Yeah. One of them is called belladonna. All right. Uh, the other one is called um, hyacinthus. Your pharmacist would know the name of these and uh, the 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 um, other one is um a very well it's a common wayside herb unfortunately because it can be uh, quite quite toxic it it has a a, a strong um, seed on it with 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 spikes and unfortunately uh, it has been used because it is a powerful substance but the three of them share a common chemistry and um that chemistry uh, can be used um, to to lessen tremor, mm-hmm. albeit because they are so um, powerful, 
um, they must be used in a very, very correct dosage, if at all. Oh. And, and sometimes the dosage in which they're prescribed to attempt to control this uh, can affect uh, other medications or affect the body generally. So they're not that popular. Indeed, they're not that well known. But in case there are pharmacists listening to what I'm talking about this morning, there's a very good section in the book by Dr. Rudolf Weiss, uh, simply called Herbal Medicine, which I have mentioned frequently on this program. Weiss was a doctor, a German doctor, but an expert in what we call herbal medication. And he has a section on those three three herbs and the way in which they can be used for this condition, but also with some of the downside to it. So mm -hmm. that's one way. The second way uh, is to use what I call gentler remedies. And these are remedies that are essentially over the counter or can be supplied by pharmacist, a herbalist, or a naturopath. And they, they're gentle because they, uh, they work on less serious levels of the yeah. condition, which may be yours. And um, the, the herbs that I recommend and prescribe, usually in combination, as I did for a, a patient yesterday, uh, herbs like, for instance, if you have a pencil and paper, just write it down, um, Joy, because you could get the uh, the herbs made up in a liquid form from Cessnock and at the uh, Bowen's practice. But the, right. the main, or one of the main herbs is passion flower. Oh, okay. Uh, hops. Hops. Hops, yes. Hops is a very, very powerful and useful um, nervine remedy, we call it, which is used for anxiety states, uh, which can sometimes spill over uh, to uh, tremulous-type conditions. So that, that is the, the, the second one we use. And the third one is a very famous and well-known American herb called skullcap. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a lovely remedy. Um, like many American herbs, becoming very difficult to get because of the way in which the American countryside has been pretty well raped of uh, many of these wild and natural growing um, substances. But those three in combination in a specific dosage form are worthwhile giving a, a go. It is unlikely that they would in any way at all um, react with any other medication you're taking. Right. And you could get the three of them put into a liquid form, give yourself a month or so on it. You would know if it's going to do you any good. That might be the, that might be the best way to go before you talk to your pharmacist about those more powerful remedies that only the pharmacist can prescribe in right. a stipulated dose. All right. Well, thank you, Dennis. I'll, I'll definitely see what I can do about those. I say my my problem is not serious, but yes. it is a damn nuisance. That's well, that's right. And this is why I'm suggesting that if you go with the gentler remedies initially, there may be that may take the edge off the condition and make it just that little bit more bearable. So, so see how you go. I might see you down at Brankston Pet Shop one day. I go there very frequently, actually. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Okay. No, it's a great pet okay. shop. A great so, pet shop and a great. Great to go there. Passion flower, hops, or, and skull cap. Correct. Okay. Correct, Joy. Yeah. Thanks very much, Dennis. Good I'll on give you. Them a try. Good on you. So we've got Denise from Rutherford, whose partner suffers from reoccurring malaria. Hi, Denise. Hi. Hi, how are you? Well, thank you, Denise. Tell me something about your partner's condition or and how it's being managed. Uh, well, he's in Nigeria, still in Nigeria. So, yeah, the... Um, 
control over there is not really good, but uh, I'm just trying to see if there's something that I can send him, herbal medicine, to help him with this. And, you know, because he suffers with the fever, the, the headaches, the yes. nausea, you know, yes. all of that. It, it, Nigerians are very good with um, traditional medicine. I'm not surprised, but I uh, have learnt a lot uh, okay. from one of my Nigerian patients as to the way in which, in in that country, um, plant-based medicines uh, yeah. are used quite competently. So I'm a little bit surprised that um, he's not doing better with some of the traditional remedies there, but um, I don't know the situation. Look... Uh, all I would say is that there is a member of the absinthum family, that is the wormwood family. Now, note that down. Now, it's a particular member of that family, um, and I haven't got the species name at my fingertips. It's not a question that I'm okay. frequently asked, but I'll be going back to my rooms in New Lambton after the program. If you were to okay. ring that, I would be able to give you the species name of okay. the member of the wormwood family that is used around the world in traditional cultures as a, a potential prophylactic device. So, uh, yes, there are options being used around the world. One of them comes from what's called the absinthum family, which is the wormwood family of herbs. I um, know the name of it, albeit I haven't got it at the fingertip. Contact yeah, okay. me and I'll happily give it to you. Oh, that'd be great. Yep, yeah, yep. But, um... It's just it's so heartbreaking watching him going through this and like his mum does do and he's got a ten year old daughter. Oh dear, dear, dear. Yeah. No, well, I'm 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 keen to uh, to help. I do uh, quite a lot of work uh, with people from uh, um, traditional cultures. Yeah. I've learnt a lot from them, and uh, the feedback that I get from many of them in different parts of Africa and India is that mm -hmm. the in information that. I provide them via my website, et cetera, has helped them considerably. So I'll be happy to do my best for this uh, uh, dear uh, friend of yours, Denise. Yeah. My beautiful man. Well, there you go. Well, I saw a beautiful uh, lady, a delightful Nigerian lady, and uh, we talked for some time about um, um, her country, and uh, I gave her a few clues on how she could find out the botanical names of some of the okay. herbs that they okay. use in her village for treating some of the problems that uh, she was experiencing. Hmm. I, I know that they've got him on the, this medicine, but yeah. it just um, it, it just knocks him about, and he just wants to sleep, sleep, sleep all the time, and that's okay. no reason because they've got a little business, and yes. that's no good. Well, of course, what what he should do with the the, the herb that I mention is that yeah. uh, he should not initiate it without uh, it being medically monitored, or okay. or his uh, general practitioner should at least know what he wants to try to do, because mm -hmm. uh, you would have heard me on the program before say that uh, it is possible for um, traditional medicine, herbal medicine, to interact uh, with drug therapy. Uh, and yeah. that needs to be factored into any advice that I give on this program. Okay, that that um, that, that sounds really great. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you, Denise. I've gotten off a lot. Yeah, I've turned to a lot of herbal stuff myself because arthritis and all. Good on you. Well done. Well okay, done. then. Thank okay. you very much. Thanks, for Denise. Giving me time. Righto. Okay. Take care. Bye. Well, we got Dawn now from Walls End. She's got a question about spiritus. 
Bursitis, sorry. Bursitis. Bursitis. <laughs> Dawn. Okay. Where, where is your bursitis affecting you, Dawn? In my hip. Ah. It doesn't worry me through the day. It's at night when I lay on you're in You're in trouble, are you? Okay. Yes. Now, are you taking anti-inflammatory from your doctor? I take, um, oh, I think the name of them, three times a day, uh, penicillin. Panadol osteo, three times a day. That's for my arthritis. Yes. But that that should have some benefit also for bursitis, but I will Uh, make a few simple recommendations for you to try, Dawn. Now, uh because it is localised around the hip joint, you may get some good benefit from using what we call a topical application, that is a lotion or a cream, which contains the two herbs, arnica, and also what's called the os- os- the uh, resin uh, of um, capsicum. Capsicum is, uh-huh. is, is uh, sometimes referred to as chili, and it has a particular uh-huh. resinous substance in it, which together with the, the use of arnica is the basis of many herbal preparations that really do work. So I would be suggesting that you go to your pharmacist Look for products that contain arnica and the oleo resin of capsicum. He would know what they were. There are various uh-huh. brands of them, Stiff Sore and Sorry, Pain Away. Oh, all right. You use those. I have a, 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 I had a lot to do with those people that manufacture those two good Australian products. So try uh-huh. those. Try those. But also, also, what you should try, which you can get from your health food store or pharmacist, is a preparation um, that contains curcumin. Now, curcumin uh, is the active uh, principle from turmeric. Now, people hear me talk about uh, curcumin uh, as being useful for inflammatory conditions generally to do with the joints and would also spill over into the bursa. But let me just say something to listeners that might interest them. One of my patients, very elderly gentleman that I know very, very well, um, he has for many years had remarkable benefits just using a teaspoonful of the herb turmeric, not just using the curcumin isolate. Now, why am I saying this? Because uh, many herbs contain many principles. In turmeric, um, the herb there is an active principle in it called curcumin, but it's not the only substance that may be helping that herb turmeric do its job. This chap takes, and has taken for many years, a teaspoonful of just powdered turmeric, which is very, very inexpensive in comparison to purchasing uh, finished products based on curcumin. Now, I'm impressed with that experience of that patient, and it coincides with what is written in some texts that the use of a teaspoonful of turmeric with a small amount of pepper added to it to make it really active can in fact bring about a significant um, anti-inflammatory effect. I throw How it do in... you take the turmeric? Okay, well, you can take it in a powdered form. Take it in a powdered yeah. form. You mix it with a little bit of pepper. You can put it in your food and you take about a heap teaspoonful of it with a small amount of pepper over the day. Uh, you can put it, cook, cook with it, put it in soups, t- 
Take it any way you like. The reason I'm mentioning it, Dawn, is that pensioners sometimes find it expensive to purchase some of the natural medications that are available in our pharmacies and health food stores. In this case, I throw out a little bit of a challenge to people on limited budgets who are interested in alternative medicine but balk sometimes at the cost of it. Just go to a food store, uh, an ethnic food store, an Indian or a Chinese food store, get a bag of turmeric and try taking a teaspoonful of it with, say, half a teaspoonful of black pepper, taking that across the day with your food, as this elderly patient of mine does, see what benefits you might get with your bursitis, but also keep in mind, have a yarn with your pharmacist and get hold of a preparation that contains arnica, and the oleo resin of capsicum. Good. Thank you very much. All right, Dawn. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Now, Dennis, just before when you were talking with Dawn, you mentioned turmeric and I think it was black pepper as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the reason I um, spoke about that was to point out that very frequently uh, the herb itself, um, rather than just the main active chemistry in it, can do a job of work equivalent to a more sophisticated preparation that is based on the active principle, so to speak, with the use of turmeric um, in about a teaspoonful dosage with about half a teaspoonful of black pepper. And people say, now, why black pepper? With turmeric, turmeric is difficult uh, to to assimilate. Mm -hmm. By using something like black pepper, it works as a synergist. It's the sort of match that lights the fire. And so in most literature dealing with turmeric, black pepper will be accompanied by it to give it a better uptake via the gut. That's why in curry powder, for instance, it's always turmeric and and black pepper or similar things with it. So that's a principle. But the reason I was talking to Dawn for some time about using the crude herb is that uh, listeners can easily um, fall into the trap of thinking that an expensive finished product is the only way that they can benefit from from natural medicine. Let me just tell you that there are many herbs that assert themselves in their simpler food-based form. Now, a good example of that, one of the most popular, frequently recommended or prescribed herbs, even in my practice, would be the herb slippery elm. Okay. Now, slippery elm is the bark of an American elm tree, Ulmus fulva. It is famous in Western herbalism, because it is one of the most soothing, uh, mollifying substances for the gastrointestinal tract. It has remarkable benefits in reflux. It has remarkable benefits in in addressing uh, diarrheic conditions or paradoxically um, constipational conditions. It is very soothing as an adjunctive remedy for inflammatory conditions of the large bowel. Now, traditionally, it has been taken just as a powder in, in dosages, say, a teaspoonful dose a couple of times a day with anything from uh, milk onwards. Unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, uh, slippery elm also is presented as a capsule or a tablet. Now, I'd, I'm not opposed to that. I use them myself, but they're more expensive. Yep. And very frequently the expense lessens an individual's access to it. My belief is very strongly 
that's a slippery elm if a, if a person can take it as a food uh, rather than in a finished alternative medicine form, you can sometimes get a better result, a much better result. Now, another example of this would be um, people would have heard me talk over the years about the remarkable medicine known as bitter melon. Now, most ethnic people, particularly from South Asia, uh, India, mm-hmm. would, would know a, a bitter melon very, 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 very well. Botanically, it's known as Mamordica charantia. It's one of the most popular foods in, uh, in the southern, um, southern part of India particularly, and also in some South American countries. It's prepared as a food and eaten as a food. It's available uh, in, our, um, in, our, in some good food stores. Australians aren't that familiar uh, with the food. I've yep. had a number of Indian patients give me good recipes for making yep. a, a dish containing what's called karela in, in, in India. Now, that food has been also converted, if you like, into a drug or a natural medicine so that you can go to a pharmacy or a health food store and pick up preparations containing capsules or tablets containing the food. Now, my view is, in this case, whether the tablets work or whether the capsules work, and I'm sure they do, Mm. they're more expensive than using, say, the powder of bitter melon or using bitter melon as a food eaten regularly for type 2 diabetes. So there's another example of where sometimes we overlook the fact that uh, what we call a herb... Uh, or a, we'll call it a herb, mm-hmm. can be used as a food and get a result equally well, in some cases better, than using it in a more finished and more expensive form. Now, I've not said that in any way at all critically of uh, modern ways of conveying natural medicines. I use them, my clinic depends on them. But for elderly people and aged people on limited budgets, a lot of the information that I've given over the years much of that could be put in the context of looking for herbs in their simpler form. We talk a lot about willow bark, and I prescribe it frequently for arthritic conditions. I've mentioned it on this program as a, a remedy to be prescribed with curcumin. Now, willow bark can be easily procured as a dried herb yep. and made up as a water-based preparation and does particularly well in some levels of arthritis. Um, yet that's not well known, but yet when it, it is uh, used, uh, for instance, I uh, was very much influenced by the work of a Scandinavian doctor, uh, Dr. Wehrland, W-A-E-R-L-A-N-D. Uh, he wrote a book, Rebuilding Health, but as a, as a, he mentioned that in the Second World War in Germany, uh, drugs became very, very scarce for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, and so doctors... Were, started using combinations of willow bark and silver birch, two well-known, by the way, uh, European herbs, willow bark and silver birch, which also is, is a tree fa- famous in, in Northern Europe. They began to use those herbs in their crude form, that is, uh, dried herbs blended together, boiled up to make a herbal tea, and in the book Rebuilding Health by Wehrland, he said that the results that the German doctors were getting in this time of, of crisis and, and, uh, and, and lack of availability of more sophisticated drugs, the results that they were getting using 
crude willow bark, the herb, and crude silver birch was as good as what they were getting when they were prescribing finished preparations of certain substances. Yeah, right. So just maybe just get the actual stuff. Well, that's, that's not as silly as it sounds. Because yeah. I always think that when you see like a bottles of like horseradish yes, and garlic, yep, yep, yep. why don't you just buy horseradish and, actual, well, and well, just have that? <laughs> the, well, the real issue is we are sophisticated Westerners who, who <laughs> believe that, it, I say that tongue-in-cheek, who believe it's below our dignity to do some of the things that older generations would have done. Yep. My belief is that we will one day be very happy to learn some of those skills again and to, for people to start taking a bit more responsibility for some of their conditions, which I believe firmly, very firmly, can be dealt with very well in the household, monitored, of course, by our good GPs. But our forebears, our forebears used to do a lot of self-medication with simple remedies procured uh, from the bush. Mm. My, uh, I could talk all day, but my dear father-in-law, born and raised in the New England, in the Great Depression, lived on the herb fat hen and lived mm. on the herb stinging nettle. And those, those herbs were basically the green vegetables that he, as a, basically a shepherd looking after merino sheep, uh, that was the green, they were the green vegetables harvested from the wild that they ate and very good vegetables they were, put that in, in, uh, in um, conjunction with some of the rabbits that were regularly harvested, uh, I love rabbit, or a sheep that was killed, and they lived well. These yep. days, of course, um, unless you have a fancy preparation and give them fancy names that's, and, that's, talk, yeah. and talk of stinging nettles, <laughs> Urtica, rather than singing <laughs> nettle, they wouldn't touch it. Well, that's true. Well, singing nettle doesn't sound overly great. It's sounds... oh, look, it's it it in um in, in a remarkable book called How to Enjoy Your Weeds mm-hmm. by a lovely English lady that I've mentioned on the program before. The the information available, uh, nutritional information available on herbs like the nettle, and herbs like fat hen, Chetopodium album is its botanical name. Um, is, is amazing, absolutely amazing. People don't realise, for instance, that Melbourne uh, is named after the Anglo-Saxon name for fat hen. Oh. Melbourne is a, is a modern form of the, of the word Meldes, and Meldes was the Anglo-Saxon name for fat hen. So when I go to Melbourne, I wind them up a little bit, not only by telling them that rugby's a better game than ping pong, <laughs> I tell them also that their, 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 their town, the, uh, the Athens of the South, is in fact named after Meldes or Fat End. Fat End, they're just a bunch of Fat Ends down there. It doesn't go to, over too well to start lecturing with that. And we've got Kerry from Blackhalls Park, and she's got a question about arthritis. Good afternoon, Kerry. Yeah. Hello, Kerry. How can we help you? I just, I've got um, very bad arthritis in my joints and my fingers and feet and knees. I was told that um, New Zealand rain lip muscle was very good for that. Okay. Can you, can you just have it on, on its own or is it good with other things? It's a food, the New Zealand green lip muscle. I actually eat a lot of them. I purchased them from the supermarket. But... The New Zealand green lip mussel made its reputation particularly for the treatment of osteoarthritic conditions. A lot of the work was done in, in Edinburgh at a major teaching hospital where a well-known 
resident doctor prescribed powdered green lip muscle for a very compromised elderly lady with very serious osteoarthritis that was affecting her mobility and she was pretty well dependent on steroids. The result was so outstanding that he wrote a paper that was subsequently published in The Lancet, which is the British Medical Journal. So if you're going to use um, New Zealand green lip muscle as a potentially very useful substance for osteoarthritic conditions, it's best to use the powder because it's still the food. You can use the food, but you'd have to really like green mussels and have to eat a lot of them, whereas the powder can be taken in, in, in a more measured form than just munching away every day at a container full of green lip mussels. Yes, I don't think I could do that. Well, <laughs> well, I could, but many people can't eat the sorts of things that I eat in the volume. I said I was controversial. But look, you can get the powdered green lip muscle uh, from your supermarket, probably not your supermarket so much, your health food store. And it is, the powder is just a preparation, of the dehydrated New Zealand green lip muscle converted into a powder taken as a food in a measured amount as indicated on the product label. Oh, very good. I've seen it encapsulated form. Is yes. that okay? Look, that's, that's fine. That's fine. But remember what I've been emphasising today. Sometime the product in a cruder form, in a more simpler form, um, can be less expensive. The, uh, oh, the, okay. the capsule or the tablet are a very, very useful and very significant way of, of harnessing the benefit of it. But if you can simplify a substance and get it in its cruder form, it's a little bit more, a little bit less expensive for many people that are battling uh, to, to afford natural medicines. Oh, good. So it's better in the powder. And just on its own, it's okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can, you yeah. can do that. But look, if you find the tablets or the capsules uh, are within your price bracket, well, obviously, you'd, you'd, you'd favour that and you'd probably be able to get a more measured dose. But again, I say, don't overlook the fact that many of the things that we talk about as having benefit are, in fact, crude f food-based substances. Okay, yeah. And powder would act quicker, wouldn't it? It would act a lot quicker. What was that? And powder would act quicker, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, well, act... yeah, well, yeah. that's difficult to say, but it would, as a food, it would uh, would have a very good assimilative possibility. Dennis Stewart, sorry, we're out of time. Oh, dear, we're, we're just getting started. We did, well... <laughs> There's so much more food we could talk some, about. I've got some green mussels here if you like to tuck in with well, them. Well, it is nearly lunchtime. So, <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Stewart, thank you very much. We'll, we'll catch you next you, week. Man. Thank you, mate. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>